Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this morning and for fellowship with Christian believers. What a good opportunity we can exhort and spur each other on and pray for those that are sick, and including my son Andrew. He's home with, with Iriel there, and also for Joe and Tina. And anybody else who's sick, please touch your bodies, heal them. And uh, bless the rest of this fellowship today. We get a lot of opportunities to do that. And the uh, communion and fellowship meal. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm excited to share with you a portion from one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's first, actually two books, first and second Samuel. And you might ask, why is that your favorite book? Uh, simply this, they're neat stories. And so that's, that's the reason why I like them. Uh, let's, we're going to start uh, logically in the first uh, chapter of first Samuel. And I've titled uh, this message, Lessons from Hannah and Eli. Lessons from Hannah and Eli. So you ready? Let's go. Turn to 1 Samuel, chapter 1. By the way, I love how the Bible is full of stories. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't apologize for the faults of godly men. In fact, you'll, you'll notice that as a theme. If you ever study 1 and 2 Samuel, just note how... Uh, Bad choices lead to bad consequences, don't they? Uh, disobedience, in particular, lead to uh, lead to bad results. Starting in verse one. Now there was a certain man. Well, what I want to do just uh, before going further, just go through basically verse by verse and make comments, and and we'll just take take note of lessons we can get because it's written for our instruction, and we'll see how far we get. Uh, verse 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim, Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. Stop there. Uh, it, is, it is disappointing how many examples there are of men in the Bible who had multiple wives. Polygamy is not good. Yes, it's true. There, there were men, godly men even, who had polygamous marriages, but I, I think we can take away, take this note, take note of this, rather, that they're never happy situations. You could, you could even call this like a dysfunctional family. I, I, sometimes I hate to use the word dysfunctional, but basically when there's sin involved and there's heartache, you're going to have dysfunction. In fact, probably Adam and Eve were the only perfect marriage couple that didn't have any dysfunction. We, we, we here, we all have uh, sin issues, but, but note especially how polygamy led to this problem that we're going to read about. And God doesn't give his blessing and smile upon Elkanah. And I don't know for sure who the first wife was. I get the impression it's Hannah, but I don't know for sure who he married first. He says, he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah. Oh, by the way, too, my brother who lives in Uganda shared a story. He met a woman who married a man thinking he was never married before, but secretly he had another wife. And I guess this is, a, unfortunately, an occurrence in parts of that country where... Now she finds, she finds out that he's already married to somebody. And so there is polygamy that goes on in parts of the world today. But again, it's not a happy situation. Okay, back to verse 2. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah. The name of the other, Peninnah. I hope I pronounced that right. We'll, don't know. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. That's a problem, isn't it? You're, you're, not only is your rival uh, wife, but she has children and you don't. Don't you... You can already feel sorry for this woman, Hannah, don't, don't you? This man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto Yahweh of hosts in Shiloh. 
And the two sons of Eli, Hophni, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters portions. Remember, she has the children. Hannah doesn't. But then to Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. And did you notice that too? He loved her. I get the impression he doesn't love his other wife as much. Can a man do both? As I see in Scripture, there's never, there's never a happy scenario where the man loves both wives equally. So, although he loved Hannah, it's still, I don't think he really loved the other wife. Now, she had more, she had children, but Hannah did not. It says this, but the Lord had shut up her womb. Verse 6, and her adversary also provoked her swords for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. Brothers and sisters, please, 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 my appeal is don't shut your womb up on your own accord. Uh, ladies, many women don't seek birth control. Yes, God did close her womb, but did you notice how Hannah, a godly woman, wanted children? Uh, in our culture, it's the opposite. We, many, many women don't want kids. Now, does that guarantee you will have children? No. There, there are numerous uh, scenarios where couples can't have children, and there's miscarriages. I'm impressed with a book that's entitled Miracles. The author's name is Craig Keener. It's close to a thousand pages. He just goes really throughout the whole world and and documents miracles of Christians being healed and testimonies and even throughout history. But he acknowledges his own wife, uh, an African, his wife, he married an African woman. They had miscarriages. It's interesting. He has a, he's so confident that God does miracles, but he acknowledges that his own, they wanted to have children. As far as I can tell, they didn't ever had any, but they had miscarriages. So it's sad. Uh, there's, there's a mystery of suffering. Let's, let's not come down hard. And you know, Hannah was a godly woman, but it says God himself shut up her womb. In verse 7, And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. He just, again, feel sorry for this poor lady. Uh, her rival wife is, is provoking her. Well, you don't have any children like I do. I'm, I'm blessed. He imagines her saying something like that. By the way, we have some Hannahs here today. We, it's uh, several ladies here. Named it, but we don't have, uh, no, normally don't have women named after the other lady, Peninnah. But what, what a godly woman, and we're going to see some, some good character traits here too. By the way, do you think there's a chance that this hardship helped pave the way for her to, to instruct this little boy that she would later have? Yeah. I do. In fact, did she even realize that her son would become one of the most famous uh, prophets in the Bible. And millions of people know this man. But at the time, it was, I can imagine it being pretty tough to be Hannah. So let's just, you know, appreciate the, the situation he had to go through. And her husband tried to cheer her up. I mean, I, I can appreciate him doing that, but it's like in, in this situation, how, how are you going to cheer up Hannah? Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? I think we know the answer to that, but he, you know, I... She's, am I not a better? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? I think she would like to have both, husband and sons. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Let's note this, brothers and sisters, in verse eleven, what she does here. She vowed a vow. And said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, 
Then I will give him unto Yahweh all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Well, she's going for it. She's going for it all. She she was uh, dedicated. She said, "God, if you give me this little boy, I'll dedicate him to you." Uh, basically, as I understand, a Nazarite vow, but for life. And that's quite a thing. She could just ask for, just give me a child, God, and and you know I deserve one. But she says, "I will, I will dedicate him to you." You think she was a woman of her word? I do too. I mean, I I do. <laughs> I, I think you would agree too, as, as we see in this account. She kept her word. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. Eli said to her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial. It means don't, don't think of me as wicked. I'm... For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Now, Eli here, I just get the impression he's a nice man. He says, uh, now he answered and said, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And he didn't know what it was, but he, he blessed her. And she said, let, thy hand, let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went, to, went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. I think Eli encouraged her there. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel. Appropriately named, it means asked of God. What a, what a neat story that she, she gets what she's asked now. It's not over yet because she had a vow. She, she remembered, her, she remembered uh, her promise to God. The Bible says, do not be hasty to make a vow or you know, to perform the vow that you give to God. Don't, don't take it lightly. And the reason why she says uh, in the end of verse 20, because I have asked him of the Lord. Verse 21. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned. I forgot I didn't have this microphone here. Okay, that might help. Continuing on here. She says to her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth good, tarry that until thou have weaned him. Only the Lord establish his word. Is it possible here uh, he's reminding her that, hey, you've got to keep your word. Just, just remember that you, you've uh, dedicated this little boy. Now, of course, it didn't mean that she was just going to not uh, nurse him. And uh, doesn't say how, long, how many years it was, but he's probably pretty little. And she, she does tell her husband, yes, I am going to... Uh, have him peer, you know, peer before the Lord. He's going to be a servant forever. And so the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young, and they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as I so liveth my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. 
For this child I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. And before we get to chapter 2, I... let's take this example of a woman who kept her word as, as a challenge for us. Do we keep our word? You may not have read it. As a boy, I had read in our homeschooling the title of the poem, Robert Browning called The Pied Piper of Hamelin. I don't know if you've read it, but it's a pretty long poem. It's got quite a lesson there. It's, it's sort of humorous, but sort of it's sad, too. And I'll just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, just a pretend story, but these townspeople have a problem with rats in their town, and, and they are, you know, probably back then, of course, rats brought disease, and they, they didn't know what to do with that, uh, what, about the situation. But they, they heard about a piper. This man's for hire. He, he can uh, play his little flute and get the rats to leave, and so he comes to the people of the city, and they say, yes, we will pay you X amount of money to just get rid of these rats. And it's all in the form of a poem. And he says, okay, I'll do it. And he plays his, uh, his little uh, tune, and all these rats are mesmerized by the tune. They follow him into, the, I think, the sea, and they, he gets rid of them. Now when he comes back to the city, ready to be paid, oh, well, we, we, aren't, uh, we aren't going to do that. They didn't keep their word. And so they, they make excuses. And, well, what happened, the bottom line is, <laughs> soon after, the piper is playing another tune. And this time, the children follow him. And he goes into a, again, a pretend story, but he takes them into some sort of cave. They're never seen from again, and the townspeople don't know what, they, they're just in shock. But the lesson there is that, as I, as I read this story, is uh, he's gonna, that he, uh, he was getting his payment, but it wasn't what they wanted. They didn't keep their word. And so... Whether it be in business or before God or to one another, let's, let's be uh, people of our word. Uh, I thought of a story in history. In the 1800s, there was a Christian nation in America who made a treaty with a bigger nation, and that bigger nation didn't keep their word. In fact, they broke it, and they removed these people to a different area. Now, that Christian nation was a Cherokee nation. They had a lot of Christians, and the United States was a bigger government, and they, they didn't keep their word. Andrew Jackson, you know, the president, he, not, a, not a popular uh, name among Indians, but he, he didn't keep his word. That was, that was a poor testimony of a, of a country to do that to another smaller country. They, they kicked them out of their land and, and drove them off eventually to like places like Oklahoma. But keeping your word is a big thing. Now, granted, I know like with parents, I'm thinking of like parenting, for example, you say, hey, we're going to go to the zoo or we're going to go somewhere, and then it rains, and your children might ask, why didn't we, you said we were going to go. So there are conditions that happen, but example here would just be don't be flip-floppy. E- even recently, I, I just think of myself, I, I should have been better at keeping my word. I told a customer just a, a simple, just simple thing like, uh, hey, I'm going to do your windows, I'll clean your windows, I'm going to start on the outside first, and then I'll go do the inside of your house. Well, I changed my mind in the middle of it, and he came back later he noticed I had cleaned, I went ahead and cleaned the inside of the windows. Oh, I thought you were going to do the outside. I said, well, I changed my mind. I just said it pretty flippantly, but it, it did strike me as I was reading this. You know, I, I need to be careful about changing my mind so flippantly. Uh, just do a better job keeping my word. And so that's, that's something I can take, take from Hannah's example. Let's go to chapter 2. Now you know, we're going to get into, uh, what a, this is, a, by the way, God, uh, God speaks through him. And this, she's almost like a prophetic uh, prayer here. I it says, it's called Hannah's Prayer, but none of the things she says here. This is a woman that went through a lot of hardship after she has given birth to her son. 
Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord, my horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies, because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord. There is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. By the way, I once had a man tell me, well, the Bible is just written by a bunch of men. Why can't women be inspired too? I should have pointed to him. There's examples here. In fact, in this whole story, who's the hero? It's not Eli. It's a woman. It's just a homemaker. It doesn't, Eli's not the one saying these, these profound truths here that we're going to read about Hannah's prayer. Uh, I don't know if she prayed out loud or what. I don't know. But she has some powerful things. Let's take note of that. She's saying there's only there's none holy as the Lord, there's none beside thee, there, there is any rock like our God. Talk no more of exceeding proudly, let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for Yahweh is a God of knowledge. Did you note that? He knows every single thing. The wicked in, in the chapters of Psalms, for example, is that God doesn't, God doesn't know, what we're, he doesn't see what we're doing. <laughs> no, he does. In fact, uh, Eli's son should have taken note of that. Hannah knew this. And for brothers, us, brothers and sisters, God sees every single thing you do, every shameful act, every, every uh, lack of integrity aspect you do. Keep that in mind. Note Hannah's words. She's a wise woman here. She went through some hardship. God's a God of knowledge. Oh, he's, he's not going to say that because, in fact, nobody else saw it. No, God sees every single, uh, shall I say, dirty thing you do. Uh, just take that as, as an inspiration. Don't do it then. God sees it. By him, actions are weighed. He's the standard of right and wrong. It's not going to be your family member or going to be uh, your church group, but it's going to be, it is going to be God. The bows of the mighty men are broken. They have stumbled or girded with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread. They that were hungry ceased, so that the barren have borne seven. And she that hath many children is waxed feeble. I, I think she's speaking here with her situation. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. Wow, that's interesting. It almost speaks about resurrection, doesn't it? Uh, could be. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. She's, she's a, talking about his, God's sovereignty in our lives. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust. God has a heart for the underdog, doesn't he? And this is hand that brings this out. She can relate to that. She had a, a, rough, a rough family life. Lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes, to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall be thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. It's like a messianic prophecy there. Elkanah went to Ramah to his house, and the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. Oh, that Eli would have taken that note of that, and he doesn't. He's a good man, but he had a problem. He didn't. He did not. And I mentioned this before in a parenting message, but I just bring it out here because I'm, I was looking at Samuel and uh, Eli goofed up badly. I like uh, Sheldon, brother Sheldon's uh, admonition there about you can be a righteous man and make some foolish choices. And boy, does that, does that describe Eli? He had some wicked sons, then they were going to just kind of. Touch it, touch it, we're not, touch quickly, it says the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They should have been known as sons, they're not just sons of Eli, they're sons of Belial, it means they're wicked. What did they do? They slept with women. The priest, of all people to be holy, and a good example of good marriages should be the priests. Eli's sons didn't do that. And you know, not only that, but they took up extra meat, Uh, just kind of summarizing here, verses 12 through 15. 
They took more than what was needed, and so they were being uh, greedy. And you know what that greed caused these uh, other people of Israel to do? It said they, they abhorred the offering of God. In other words, this is, this is a ridiculous. We're, we're asking, we're, we're bringing our uh, sacrifice to these greedy gluttons. I don't really want to serve. I don't want to bring a sacrifice to God. These are the men. And so God understood that they were given a bad name to him. And you know what? It falls down. It falls on Eli. Now, these are grown sons. I, I get the impression. But Eli didn't do anything. Uh, he, does, he does make an appeal, but how many opportunities does Eli have to train his... Here's the irony. I mean, you look at Hannah. She maybe had a few years to train her little boy. Look how good he turned out. And Eli had, what, 20-plus years to train his sons. No, this is wrong. You shouldn't defile. You shouldn't... Uh, your priests, sons, don't do these wicked things, but just didn't have it in him. He, he was a kind man. I get the impression he was a godly man, but made foolish choices with his own sons. And uh, like a diagram there, every time Hophni and Phinehas disobeyed, well, their kids, boys will be boys. I can just picture Eli rationalizing his naughtiness. Did he see, though, that 30 steps down the road, his sons are going to sleep with women? Talk about, I mean, we see this, too, with pastors. They fall. It's about one of the worst things you can do, and you see a man fall in sexual sin because it's supposed to be a man of God, and, and this is a Christian, and it does make people abhor the things of God, sadly. But let's, be, let's take the example of Hannah and, and not copy Eli's example is my, my appeal as we, as we get to her. Near the end here, I'm, all, I'm almost done. And um, notice too here, oh, Hannah, okay, well, we went to verse 17, like I said, the men abhorred the offering of the Lord. We're, we're kind of skipping around here. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen, girded with a linen ephod. And his, oh, what a nice mother. She gave him a little coat. Now, she, again, she didn't, she did not want her son to live with. She was willing to give her son up at the time to Shiloh. I don't know how far Shiloh was away from where, her, where she lived. But notice too, I'll, I'll give credit to Eli here. Verse 20, Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to thee, to the Lord. And they went into their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah and she got a bunch of money. No, it says she conceived and had five blessings, not burdens, folks. Five blessings. Eli Blessed her with, with the, bless, the best thing he could think of. The best thing I can think of is hungry mouths to feed. No, blessings of children. It's, it's all in how you look at it. the two Bs. They're either blessing or burden. You look at a lot of different things in God's commands or God's ways. Is it a blessing or is it a burden? No, she, and I, I get the impression Hannah was a joyful mother of these other five children. And... Uh, did she know that her prophecy is going to be read and remembered by millions of Christians? Chapter 2 of, of 1 Samuel. Eli has no, We don't have much uh, to say for Eli. I mean, he did uh, bless. He, again, he had some good traits, but where he's best known for being a bad dad and having bad sons. And he does, he's, by the time he's old, it says he, uh, he gets confronted with sons. Why do you such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all his people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. Ye make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearken unto the, not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. What's that saying? A day late and a dollar short. It was too late at that point. His sons had already gone the way of Belial. And as we come to a close here, uh, you, you know the ending. It doesn't end well. His sons die. Uh, Eli falls over and breaks his neck. 
And he, it does say he, he a heavy set man. Uh, seemed like even he was benefiting from the, the offerings too. He was also getting getting extra. So he wasn't totally uh, without some of his own uh, his own weaknesses. But let's not be like that, Eli. We we have an example here. In fact, in, in several examples in Samuel, as you look at bad fathers, bad parents, you don't need a copy it though. God used these examples of Israel to still. Give us a challenge not to, not to copy them. But copy Hannah, who kept her word. She was a joyful mother. She was, you know, she was a godly woman. So we, let's copy that example and, and not the example of Eli. That's what I had to share there. And let's close with prayer. And Father, I thank you for uh, just your word and the, 